Hey, Fidelity. How can I remember to invest every month? With the Fidelity app, you can choose a schedule and set up recurring investments in stocks and ETFs. Oh, that sounds easier than I thought. You got this. Yeah, I do. Now, where did I put my keys? You will find them where you left them. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE SIPC. Are you tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? Well, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Dylan and Hannah have a beautiful fantasy about going on walks and wearing cutoff sweatshirts. <laughs> they are truly made for each other. Like, what on earth are they talking about? He's like, I just want to, you know, just, you know, I could wear like a cutoff sweatshirt. That like, would be the dream. Dylan, dream bigger, my lad. <laughs> Welcome to Here to Make Friends, a HuffPost podcast about the Bachelor franchise, where we lovingly snark on The Bachelor and Bachelor-adjacent shows. Whether you love The Bachelor or love to hate it, we're here to break down every single delicious moment with you. I'm Emma Gray. And I'm Claire Fallon. Today is a real marathon for us, right, Claire? I don't know what you're talking about, Emma. Would you like to fill me in a little bit more? Oh, I guess I was referring to the several hours of VIP we watched last night, (laughs) and then the podcast we'll be recording literally right now, and then the video we'll be recording, and then the live show we'll be doing. The live show. That's so interesting. (laughs) Let's talk a little bit more about that before we get started. We will be doing a live show at the Gramercy Theater tonight in New York City, and we'll be joined by the wonderful, hilarious Phoebe Robinson. You may know her from Two Dope Queens. And there are still some tickets available. So if you're in the city and have nothing else to do (laughs) and have nothing else. I mean, listen, it's the Wednesday after Labor Day weekend. Who has plans tonight? You know, swing by and join us. It's going to be a lot of fun. And that's not all. We're coming to Chicago on September 25th. We'll be at the Newport Theater recapping episode four of season one of The Bachelor. And we're so, so excited for a super, super fun show. We're definitely going to be tapping into that very deep well of uh, Chicago-based Bachelor Nation talent. It's so exciting to finally get to, like access that like we're so New York based and often you know you want to have people on the show but it's hard with logistics and now we're like we're coming to you and I'm so excited so just keep an eye out for more details on that and get those tickets okay Clara it's time let's get into this week's Bachelor in Paradise We bid adieu to our friend Derek. We said hello to... And Dean's mustache. And Dean's mustache. Honestly, more important than Derek. I mean, listen, I love Derek, but like... Dean's mustache. What had a bigger impact on this season? Dean's mustache. Dean's mustache. I'm sorry. Um, That's not to be mean. It's just to be honest. (laughs) there's a lot a, a lot of, of drama sort of concentrated in certain groups because there 
are some really established couples at this point. We basically never see Hannah and Dylan anymore except to, like, check in and be like, no one knows where they are, right? They're probably off having sex, right? All right, carry on. That's that's pretty much what they're up to. Yes. And, uh, yeah, it's getting to that point where everyone is starting to feel very anxious because Chris Harrison is like, look, guys, time to decide whether you want to get engaged after a mere 15 days together. Yeah, they've been on the beach for like two weeks, so it's time for Paradise to wrap up. For us, it feels like so much longer, but the actual filming is I think it's so 18 brief. days. Yeah, yeah, and they still have some time left, so they're, we're looking at like two weeks max that they've been there, and, and they're already wrapping up. Um, but there's still a lot of resolution uh, that is needed in certain relationships. Specifically, let's get right into it. Clay and Nicole. Clay and Nicole. Nicole is like, let's, you know, let's celebrate me and Clay. I'm feeling confident, sexy, and proud because of him, which is an interesting collection of adjectives. <laughs> Nothing can ruin what they have. And then Angela shows up. And this really brings out a side in Nicole that makes me a little bit sad. And honestly, I wasn't that impressed by Clay's behavior either. Like, the, the everything that devolves from the time that Angela comes along is, like, kind of unpleasant. And look, I don't blame anyone in the three of them for feeling a discomfort about the situation. Like, would I love to spend constant time on the beach with my ex and his new girlfriend or on the beach with my new boyfriend and his recent ex? Certainly not. And I can imagine it bringing out a not-that-cute side of myself. Quite possibly, um, but still, it's not great. It's not great. So Angela walks in, and her date card is written to to stoke the fires of, of drama. It says, it's time to finish your love story, which is basically just like saying, Angela, ask Clay out on a date. She which does she not. she does not do. Um, she she pulls, pulls Mike. Yes. She pulls Mike to chat first. And meanwhile, Nicole is sort of trying to comfort Clay by saying, like, Angela's weak. She weighs, like, one pound. She needs some Cuban meat on her bones. Unfortunately for Nicole, Clay reacts by kind of not, like, almost offending Angela. He's like, stop stop it. Like, don't do that. It's not a great look. Um, I will say that Nicole hopped on Twitter and was like, yeah, F me for those body shaming comments. That was not good. Yeah, it's, I mean, she's clearly also trying to, like, feel out Clay to see how he's feeling about Angela and he doesn't want to have solidarity with Nicole on this front. He's like, don't talk shit about my ex. Like, I still care about her a lot. Um, So no one is getting what they want at this at this point in the in the situation. But he does tell Nicole there's zero percent chance he'd go on the date, less than zero percent chance that he'd go on a date with Angela. Um. And Angela has sort of cultivated a party line for why she's there, because clearly everyone there is like, why would you come on the beach (laughs) knowing that your ex who you dumped you pretty recently and that we have heard you're not over is here dating other women? Why would you do that? And she has written a little script, which is, well, if it's okay for him to be here, why is it not okay for me to be here? She has a point. She does kind of have a point. (laughs) I but I I felt like it was so lawyerly that that was kind of turned me off. I was like, oh, you are really ready to, like, 
point out that it's hypocritical for him to be here and to not be okay with you being here. But also it is kind of hypocritical. Right. And she also knew she would be walking into a situation where he's been there. He kind of has the loyalty of the group because that's just how it works when you're original cast. Uh, I also will say that it seems likely that they were both asked to come on Paradise and had agreed to come on Paradise before they knew the other one was going. So contracts are signed. Not that she couldn't have pulled out of it. Or it's possible that he decided to go and told her and she was was like, well, fuck you. Angry (laughs) and was like, well, fuck you. And then production was like, are you sure you don't want to come on? And she was like, fine. Because why should he get to get paid to To... be on a beach dating and finding a new relationship? And I can't do that. Like, I'm going to give up on that income and that opportunity to move on with some hot people, get new Instagram followers. Why should I have to forego that when he... Look, it's kind of true. Look, I feel for all three of them. I, I get why they're all bristling. But at the end of the day, no one of them has more of a right to be paid to date than the rest, than any of the rest of them. But Clay goes down this, like, rabbit hole of emotional resentment that Angela is there at all. It's like, I didn't sign up to watch my ex-girlfriend date other guys. Like, who fucking cares, Clay? Like, (laughs) this isn't the Clay show. Like, she didn't sign up for you to go on the show, but you decided to do that and, like, put her through that. Like, sorry, you you dated within Bachelor Nation. He wants to have complete control over how this plays out, and that's really unfair to her. Like, he wants to end the relationship, go on Bachelor in Paradise, where his new relationships will be, like, really presented to her on national television and, like, through her friend group. And then he wants to, like, what, exercise some sort of moral leverage that prevents her from doing the same thing. Like, it just, it rubbed me the wrong way. And they kept going back to it. It kept, like, every time you cut back to Clay, he's being like, I just don't know why she would do this, you know? Like, it's really unfair. Like, I didn't sign up for this. And I don't really see how I'm supposed to move on. You know what? Life isn't fair and relationships aren't fair. Yeah. Angela knows that as well as anyone. Exactly. Like, look, when someone breaks up with you, you don't have a say in it. You don't get to say, well, it's not fair. I didn't sign up to be dumped. Yeah. You just have to accept it. And then guess what? When you break up with someone, you cede any right to really question their behavior or like it's just. At one point he says like, oh, you know, if I ran into my ex at the grocery store, I would be able to just, like, leave. I wouldn't have to see her there. However, you're part of Bachelor Nation. You dated a woman who was part of Bachelor Nation. You broke up with her, and now you're on Bachelor in Paradise. This was a foreseeable event (laughs) and avoidable if you wanted to make sure this didn't happen by not going on the show. (laughs) But you chose to do it. So this is what it is. Um, but he can't stop talking about no. it. And so everyone is starting to pick up also on the fact that it's not clear that Clay is totally over it. Over it. Um, so Tasha is very worried for her friend Nicole, and she kind of pulls Clay aside. And she's like, you didn't in- even introduce Nicole as your girlfriend. Like, what's going on? Are you Are you over this? And Clay is like, no, no, she is my girlfriend. It wasn't intentional, which, like, maybe it wasn't. Uh, but everyone is out here just, like, defending each other and getting into it over the fact that Angela is there. The thing is that, like, Tasha means well and is is doing her best to defend Nicole. But when you confront a guy with the fact that he is, you know, 
not over his ex and he is not really ready to date your friend, all he really has to say is, that's not true. I am over her and I am ready. And there's no real rebuttal you can make to that. Like she does her best pointing out the evidence that he is not like being fair to Nicole here. But then he's just sort of like, no, I do think she's my girlfriend. I think she's great. I'm totally supportive and behind our relationship. And Tasha just has to be like, okay, then. Like, where are you going to go from there? <laughs> um, and it does bring out this really unpleasant side of Nicole and honestly Tasha a little bit, too, who's yeah. trying to be supportive of Nicole, um, where a lot of this is directed at Angela. Um, like, it's one thing to go to Clay and be like, this could be my friend's, like, partner. I'm going to handle this like a mature adult and try to have a nice conversation with him about it. But Angela is not part of our scene, so I can just sit in the corner and snicker at her like a mean girl. It was very mean. And I don't think that Tasha and Nicole are, by nature, super cruel people, but they were being... Nicole's insecurity was creating a situation where she was being pretty cruel about Angela. And I didn't love it. Yeah. At one point, I think it's later, Angela goes on a a second date. And as she heads off to get ready for the date, uh, Nicole and Taysha are just kind of like mockingly waving at her and giggling. And I was like, this feels like a middle school lunch table in a really unnecessary way. And it's not that Nicole doesn't have the right to feel hurt or feel uncomfortable by the situation, but she just handled it poorly. Yeah. I mean, there's also a part where she sort of reenacts Angela's yeah. walk down the the wedding aisle of uh, Crystal and Chris. It just wasn't a good look. And it's true that Angela did seem like she was really she performing. However, uh, the reason that... It worked is and got under Nicole's skin is because like Clay did seem to really notice Angela and did seem really shaken by her presence. And and, and Nicole is now just like sort of performatively like mocking Angela as being pathetic and sad and like not really attractive enough to capture Clay's attention because she's so insecure about the fact that that's obviously the opposite of the truth. Yeah. So <sighs> Mike and Angela go out on a date. Yes. It's pretty clear that Angela is not intending to ask Clay out on the date. I don't think they even talk. Um, Mike and Angela seem to have a nice date, but it also doesn't seem like either of them are particularly super into each other. Yeah. Mike is asking her basically probing questions about Clay. There's a weird moment here. Well, first of all, Mike and Sydney were a thing, and there is no mention of that no longer being the case until later in the episode. And neither of them seemed to care. Right. He just goes off on the date without any mention of Sydney. And I was like, we didn't we didn't see their breakup. Um, but he goes on the date with Angela and asks her about the relationship with Clay and asks if they're st- she's still in love with Clay. And Angela says, well, we were super serious. I'll always care about him. And Mike asks if it broke her heart, and she says, yes, he was the greatest love of her life. And then she's like, by the way, it's a double standard because if Clay's ready to be here, why can't I be ready to be here? And I was like, Angela, chill. Um, And Mike says, well, yeah, actually, I asked Clay about that, and he said it was easier for him because he never said I love you. 
And we do not see Angela's response to this. No. They're just like, well, we'll end on that note. Which is a wild omission. Like, I really wanted to see how she reacted to hearing that. Like, was she like, oh, that's that's true. But, like, by his other actions, he showed he was really invested. Or was she like, that's not true. He did say I love you to me. Like, what did she have to say to that? We just see her sort of bite her lip and then it cuts away. I don't understand. I don't either. Um, and be- meanwhile, meanwhile, back at the house, Clay is getting relationship advice from Blake. Seems like the person that you should be getting relationship advice the from. The thing is, Blake is at loose end, so he has, like, nothing to do except <laughs> He's give like, relationship I'll, advice. I'll give advice. I'll just be out here, like, telling people how to feel and act as though I am <laughs> anyone who has the right. Or anyone who anyone should listen to. I'm like, Blake did... Started with the highest capital and has ended with the lowest. So no one should take advice from him. But like he has nothing else to do. Like it's true. he has he has no nothing to occupy his time. No one even wants to hang out with him, it seems like. We're constantly being treated to like images of Blake sitting alone with a drink, Blake rubbing his face with his hands alone while everyone has fun around him. He's like, the one thing that I can do is give relationship advice. And it's like, no, no. Don't do that. Don't do that either. We also start to see Haley JPJ drama start to brew. Um, they're hanging out. She's clearly really into him and has a huge crush on him. But JPJ is like, Mike, I actually don't like Haley at all. And I am 100% committed to Tasha. It doesn't seem that he's told either Haley or Tasha this, but in his heart, just like Jed, he knows. What I love about this is that Mike's only question is, it's clear that you want Tasha, not Haley. How are you going to talk to Haley about it? And John Paul Jones is like, the thing is, I'm feeling Tasha, and like I'm not feeling Haley. And it's like <laughs> Haley's great, but something about my mind and like the energy and my subconscious is just pulled to Tasha. And Mike is like, yeah yeah, 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 I got it, cool. But like, how are you going to talk to Haley? And JPJ is like, sometime, mm-hmm. at some point, I gotta do that. But how, like, Mike's right. He should have planned this out better because he doesn't have a plan for how to talk to Haley. Um, and he's spending a lot of his emo- mental and emotional energy instead on on Derek, who is still here at this point, still hanging out, JPJ, setting off JPJ's spidey yeah, signals. He tells Mike again that Derek's intentions aren't pure. He just has an instinct And he says, Derek is a creep and a fraternity brother who's here to take advantage of women. That's a fact. Then we see him in an ITM saying, I don't have a lot of claims to substantiate that point. But listen, I know the frauds when I see them. I'm just going to say, saying things like, this is a creepy person who takes advantage of lots of women, and then saying you actually have nothing to substantiate it, like, that's a problem. Right. Like... The fact that he admitted that he didn't have evidence to substantiate that is troubling. Like, he should be troubled by that. That should make him second-guess himself, but it does not. No. Um, And so, and I mean, the thing is that JPJ also will get very defensive and feel very victimized when his integrity, quote-unquote, is called into question, how hard it is for him to be here just trying to find love with Tasha and having his integrity questioned. And it's like, what are you doing to Derek with no evidence? Like, you don't think it's okay for other people to just have a bad feeling about you? Because apparently that's the standard we're going by here. Jesus. So the meanwhile, uh, Derek is chatting with Haley. Um, 
And filling her in on how JPJ came at him and kind of like laid a lot of accusations on and him. And it seemed like they were friends before that. So and Derek Haley, seems to Haley still be surprised. confused. Haley yeah. says, I thought that you guys were really good friends. And Derek is like, I don't know. But like apparently he's just really into Tasha. And Haley's like, what? Excuse me? <laughs> I thought John Paul Jones and I were a thing. And I had no idea that Taisha was a part of this. Right. What did JPJ think was going to happen? That, like, he was going to scream at Derek multiple times in public about Taisha, and Haley was just, like, never going to find out until the moment JPJ decided it was the right for him to explain it to her? It's very weird that, And, of like, course, then this then gets blamed on Derek by JPJ later. Of course. I mean, the thing, like, JPJ has been, like, very open about his feelings about Tasha to some people. And then to other people, it's, like, shrouded in mystery. But they are all on the same beach. So eventually it's going to come out. So if you're trying to keep it from Haley so that you can keep her in play or whatever you're trying to do... You know, that's not actually a great tactical move. She's going to hear and she's going to be pissed that you weren't honest, uh, which is exactly what happens. Um, and Haley even says that she talked to Tasha, and she doesn't think Tasha is into him. And John Paul Jones told her they had a great connection. He gave her a rose. Um, and so she is completely baffled that this is the, the true state of affairs. So she decides to pull John Paul Jones aside. Um, she's like, as they're walking away, she's like, did you get a drink? And he's like, I don't need one. And I was like, oh, buddy, you might need a drink. (laughs) (laughs) I want to fortify yourself. Um, so she sits him down and she's like, word on the street, specifically (laughs) from Derek, is that you have feelings for Tasha, and I'm confused. And to his credit, he does like pretty immediately say, look, I owe you an apology for not bringing this up sooner, which is, is good. Um, and he did hit it off with Haley, and she's like goofy and smart and funny, but he just he just can't resist Tasha. Yeah, and so Haley is like, I get it, but hearing that from someone else that really hurt. And John Paul Jones at this point is like, Ah, here's my here's my line of defense. It's Derek's fault. Derek hurt her. Derek is the one, other than me, who brought it up to her. So he says it's none of Derek's business. It's out of his jurisdiction. Also, actually, he has no is, dominion over the situation. It is, in fact, Derek's business that JPJ likes Tasha because that is what caused one of the things that caused this conflict. Regardless of like um, the the allegations that JPJ has levied on Derek, it it was instigated by the fact that John was worried about Tasha. I think John. Paul Jones is the one who wants Tasha to be their mutual business. Like, right. Derek was sort of like, oh, I was just doing my thing and you were doing your thing. And John Paul Jones is like, no, where Tasha is concerned, our interests overlap and are intermingled and we must have dealings with each other. And I must them. take you out. So, you know, it is relevant now. He has made it extremely relevant to Derek that that John Paul Jones is interested in Tasha. He has made it clear that it's something Derek should take into account in his daily movements. So, you know, he can't then disavow that. But the the funny thing is that he goes on this rant about how this is out of Derek's jurisdiction. And you can just see Haley's face kind of She's crinkle like, up like, 
why? Like, who cares? Like, that's not relevant to me. Like, I don't... I'm telling you that I am hurt because of this situation and you're going on a rant about right. someone else. She's like, I now have information that I needed to know because of this other guy. And all you care about is how that guy has inconvenienced you by filling me in. Like, that does not clearly make her feel a whole lot better. No, we see her kind of break down uh, in her in the moment. And she just doesn't feel... Like, she's gotten clarity. John Paul Jones is incapable of giving people clarity. That is accurate. I do think that he has many traits that people love that we have enjoyed. Yes. He can be extremely funny. And funny. And he clearly has a romantic side. And he obviously, a lot of people seem very close to him. So that speaks well for him. But, like, this is a less great Giving people clarity has never been. It's not his strong suit. Even when he's making his approaches to Tasha, it's always in a very confusing, flowery way that leaves her just, like, kind of baffled. Um, and he's even worse at delivering bad news. So Haley is confused. She's really sad. She's been single for so long. She's got to be in her mid to late 20s by now. You know what? I, I felt for her because I have also felt that feeling. And mm-hmm. I think given that... She's so close with her twin and that her sister has now been in a serious relationship. And so obviously their lives have become probably more decoupled. Like Mm. if you as someone who's been very who was very single for a long period of time and watched a lot of my closest friends kind of not devalue me. But when you bring another person that becomes kind of your primary person into your life, like it changes relationships. And so I understand that feeling of like, even from the outside, I look at her, I'm like, of course, you're going to find someone. You're only like, what, 26, 27, you have time, it'll be great. But like, people told me that for years, too. And it didn't really make it better. Because in the back of your mind, you're like, but I don't have a guarantee. And like, I feel like I'm going to be alone forever. Yeah. So I, I felt for Haley in this moment. And I thought that she she seems to be, like, behaving very well on the beach. So. I think so, too. I think she's handling herself pretty well. You never know how it's going to go when she shows up for the first time by herself. <laughs> exactly. And she seems to have a lot of internal resources. I respect that. Um, and sh- so she's like, I'd rather go home, basically, than be a plan B on this beach. Like, I'm tired of the dating carousel. Um Meanwhile, Meanwhile, JPJ is just ranting again about Derek to a group of women at the bar and Wells, who is Derek's best friend. Right. Wells is watching this with this extremely bemused expression. Like, obviously, I can't jump in and defend no. Derek, but like, what, what is happening? Fuck? And and this is where JPJ gets, you know, more specific about his claims. He says that he heard Derek say that multiple times multiple verbatim, times, you can fuck some of those women. Like fans um, in his DMs. Yeah. It's a little bit unclear exactly what the context is. but And, and that rubbed JPJ the wrong way, which like, okay. But like hilariously, Haley is right there. Right. And Haley finally pipes up and says, so you don't think he was being honest about himself to Tasha and that upset you, but you weren't honest about Tasha to me. And John Paul Jones he is has, like, he has no well, answer. I, I did. did. I did sort of tell you. I told you I hit it off with Tasha, And Haley was like, well, not really the extent of it. And, and then you said yes to my date. So why did you say yes to it? And JPJ is like, well, to be fair to me, you know, Tasha told me to test the waters. And Haley's like, how is that fair to me? Yeah, I was like, that makes it worse, John. That's like Tasha directed you to do something and you weren't actually interested. So you just feigned interest in Haley, used up her date. Right. 
and like then decided that you were going to go back to Tasha. Like, like that's take actually a little worse. responsibility here for like what you did to Haley. Like it's not the end of the world. No. But the fact that you can't take ownership of it and that you're so judgmental of other people who Look, I'm going to say that there is mistakes. not a man on that beach who has not said something or done something that's like a little disappointing or gross. That's probably, in fact, a lot of the women have too. A lot of the women too. I mean, Uh, in in my life too. Yeah. Yeah. Like we we all say and do some things that are not ideal. We all hopefully can be redeemed. But John Paul Jones seems to feel that he is sort of this beacon of righteousness, this warrior for the good, and then is completely blind to the fact that he is trampling other people's feelings in his wake, (laughs) in his righteous quest. Um, Demi is just like watching and smirking. It's hilarious. Her facial expressions are just excellent. Yeah, she's like, I'm just enjoying listening to Haley giving him a taste of his own medicine. Um, JBJ is like, you're right. I've dropped the ball on communication. And Haley's like, yeah, you've been selfish. And John is like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Well, let's draw the line there. Yeah, definitely I've been not emotional, that. not selfish, <laughs> because those things are mutually exclusive. If you're emotional, you can't be selfish. (laughs) There's one thing I know. It's true. And he's like, I just try not to express my feelings when I'm emotional. So I wanted to wait until I had a clear conscience to express myself. And so the women have the roses this week. So Haley was like, so just to be clear, you are going to string me along until you got a rose. And then I mess that up for you. And John Paul Jones says, well, you came and got me. And Haley says, I had to because I heard somewhere else that this was how you're really feeling. And he's like, well, I'm sorry, but what can you do? Haley says in her in the moment then that, you know, JPJ isn't being fair to her or to Derek or to Tasha. And JPJ wraps up his conversation with Haley at the bar in the most condescending way. It made me so angry. Yeah, he's like, well, look, we spoke this morning. Like, He starts speaking to her in this really, like— aggressively patient voice he's like so like a dad teaching a lesson to his kid like now look we spoke this morning and you've had all day to reach out to guys you know you're like you're a big girl don't put this on me now i wanted like i died inside when i heard this it made me want to scream it is the worst thing it's the worst way you could respond to someone it's basically like oh, you silly little girl, like, go get other men. Like, I didn't do anything. I gave you that one conversation. And, like, you know, you can't blame all this on me. This is your own failure to attract other people. He thinks that he's in a position to, like, teach her a lesson about responsibility and maturity after the way that he handled the situation. Like, that's rich. Um, So Haley is, she's like, I'm done talking to him. She goes to cry to Blake about this. And to go on a rant to him about how women, uh, how men think they can treat women like this and manipulate (laughs) women for fun. They literally torment us. And Blake is just like, yep, that sucks. Some some men. I hate that that. men do that. It's wrong and bad. (laughs) He's just the only person available for all this stuff because everyone else is making out in hot tub. Finally, Kaylin comes over. She and Haley seem to have become friends and she... She takes on some of that comforting, which is nice. And back at the bar, Wells asks John Paul Jones, do you think that conversation went well or do you think it went not well? And he's like, I think I handled it pretty well. <laughs> and Christian asks, well, can you see Haley's perspective? And he was like, yeah, I was in the wrong for not telling her. That sucked. And what are you going to do? 
but he, you know, he feels very put upon by being in the situation and he still feels like someone like Tasha is being manipulated. And given the fact that he's just been confronted about his own poor behavior to a woman, it's weird that he is incapable of like I'm also confused what he thinks the manipulation is. Is his issue that he believes Derek has like slept with some of his fans? But how would that be manipulating Tasha? Is he does he think that Right. So like, then I'm confused. So then Derek walks up and is like, John, wanna chat? And John Paul Jones is like, nah. Tasha and I are doing great. I don't want to talk to you. And Derek is like, yeah. Which but like, is not the point. I want us to be on the same page. And he pulls John Paul Jones away. And you know this is going to go terribly. Terribly. I, a, lo- a big part of me wanted Derek to not to try just to leave instigate it alone. this. But at the same time, it's really tough to ask someone to swallow having all of those accusations being thrown at them on national television and to not have a chance to rebut them directly. And... Maybe he just wants that chance again to Ugh, kind of come just, to an agreement on whether those accusations right. are true I or false. I just feel like this chat did not go well, and it's like mm-hmm. neither of them really seemed to gain any understanding or particularly gain any moral high ground during it. I thought that one useful thing came out of this for Derek, although I know a lot of people feel it was a very bad look for him, and I personally wished he hadn't started the conversation at all. Um Derek brings up the fact, or or John Paul Jones actually brings up the fact that he overheard Derek saying, you could, you know, you said you could fuck some of the girls that that follow you. And Derek says, and what did I say after that? I said, I choose not to. And people who don't choose not to are like Blake, who came here and had problems. And that is like a pretty strong rebuttal to the claim that John Paul Jones made. And John Paul Jones doesn't really deny that, that, that Derek was the said context. that. It, it felt to me, watching this exchange, like John Paul Jones wasn't lying about some of the things Derek has said, but he removed them from context. So right. while, like, do I want to watch Derek being like, you can f- you can fuck some of those women? Like, no. 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 It's a little that's icky. a little icky. But at the same time, I actually believe that that's probably how it went. Where he was like, yeah, you can, like, have sex with some of these women. I choose not to. Like, if you do, you can get yourself in trouble. Yeah, it seems possible that John Paul Jones has some element of righteousness on his side. But, like, it seems more in character to me that it went the way Derek said. Um, And John Paul Jones doesn't really come off as a super rational or objective actor here. Um, So it's difficult for me to place a lot of trust in what he says. He also says at some point, you know, you said that now that things were over with Demi, you were just going to like get engaged to Tasha, maybe. And this was an interesting accusation because it seems like the most directly bearing on whether Tasha is being manipulated. But he doesn't really linger on that point, which makes me think that even John Paul Jones doesn't think it's a very strong claim. Like if he really thinks that Derek is, for example, just here to get a TV engagement and Tasha is like a convenient opportunity to do that, then I would think that's the most disturbing right. evidence you have against him. Derek doesn't really deny that he said that, but... It's not really clear that that's something that is necessarily said in like a serious way or that 
should be taken as like an admission Gospel. of a dastardly plan. Like it could just be like, who knows? Like I, I wanted to hang out with Tasha. Maybe now like Tasha and I will get engaged. Like, haha. You know, there are so many ways that could have gone. And we really don't get clarity on the context of it from, right. from either of from them. From either of them. Um, but it's interesting to me that John Paul Jones does not dig into that point more because that's what I would be more concerned about if I really heard a guy being like, well, Tasha will here. do for yeah. my TV <laughs> engagement, I guess. Um, and Derek is also like, you really handled this all really badly. We were at someone else's wedding and you made up stuff about me and like attacked me with it and ruined their wedding, basically. And John Paul Jones is like, whatever. I stand by everything I said. I, I don't feel bad about it. I also thought that Derek made a good point when he, you know, J- John Paul Jones is saying like, well, you're just not the right person for Tasha. And Derek's like, why is that your decision to make? Like, mm-hmm. that is Tasha's decision to make. Tasha can decide I'm not the right person. She can also decide you're not the right person. She can decide that either of them are the right person. But it's true. It's not It's not John's prerogative. It's Tasha's. Yeah. And and as we see, Tasha does break up with Derek. And it seems like perhaps that would have happened anyway. And the fi- entire fight was unnecessary. Right. Either it would have happened anyway or... John Paul Jones kind of got Tasha's attention away from Derek in a really slimy way right. um, by sort of pulling Derek into drama. Uh, which then everyone on the which beach— Which then ends up reflecting on Derek. Yeah, blames both of them equally, which is very odd given that there's a clear instigator in these fights. Right. Um, so finally they wrap up the conversation. Tasha has been listening and like— She's really upset out. by it, understandably. It's not a good look. Yeah. And all of the women are like, this is no, if they knew Tasha, they would know she's not into this. And I was like, really, though, it's John Paul Jones right. who thinks he knows Tasha really well and yet is starting all of this. And is yelling, is throwing a lot of really general accusations at Derek. So how is he not supposed to engage with that? Like, yeah. if someone comes up to you and starts yelling at you, and start saying really inflammatory things about you, like, I I would engage. It would yeah. be very hard not it's to. It's really hard not to. Um, and I guess to the credit of the people on the beach, like, I don't think they really could hear what was going on. They just saw, like, two dudes screaming at each other. Exactly. Um, also, I found it hilarious that clearly Blake is trying to find the moral high ground anywhere he can. He's, like, sitting between two of the women. He's like, this is a turnoff, right? This is, like, the worst. This is, this is the worst. Yeah. He's, he's also <laughs> gathering information because... As we see throughout this episode, Blake knows only about dating, like what he has learned from like rom- romantic comedies and other research. And so he needs to add to his tool book. To, to, he needs to add to his toolbox, like not fighting with another guy in front of women. You know, like, is that part of his seduction catalog or not? Um, so down the beach comes... Uh, Two new, two new contenders, Matt Donald. Ugh, old Matt Donald. And Luke S. I like both of these guys. Um, Yeah. I mean, we don't see a whole lot of Luke S. especially. No. His main storyline is that he, everyone thinks he looks just like Nick Bial. He, he does. He kind of does. Um, Matt Donald's thing is... That he's really terrified his mom will see him kissing someone and also his voice keeps cracking. (laughs) 
<laughs> I also, felt he so keeps bad. Sweating. For him keeps I know. I, I found it a bit endearing because clearly he, you know, he went home night one. He didn't ever have time to get used to the cameras. I thought it was it was a little bit sweet. Uh, later on, I found him to be less endearing. But at the beginning, the I thought it was endearing. We see a lot of people who go home night one, and they're not that awkward. The, what's baffling to me about Matt Donald is that. He's very concerned about his mother. He's very concerned about his mother. And he's also very um, unprepared for what is the entire premise of both The Bachelorette and Bachelor in Paradise. Like, you, <laughs> they don't tell you about that night, too. Like, you know going in that there's going to be kissing on TV. Right. Um, this isn't, you know, on Bachelor franchises in other countries, it's not the norm. But, like, here in America, you got to get down to the making out. Exactly. So they end up, they have a double date card. Um, Matt asks Sydney on the date and Lucas asks Christina. Uh, Taisha is really bummed because she wanted to just not have to talk to Derek or John Paul <laughs> Jones. And now she is, in fact, going to have to deal with them. I think it's not a great sign that Taisha was like, please let me escape both of these men. I want a random person to I mean, that's also kind of been the narrative of her and John Paul Jones is that she has a little fun with him. And then she's like, all right, how can I get out of this? Go on a date with Haley, Um, which bodes well for them. Um, So they go, you know, to a a street market and have some spicy margs. Um, Luke ends up feeling like Christina talks too much about Blake. A little foreshadowing. And Sydney uh, is really into Matt. She really wanted to meet him on the beach. She feels this instant connection with him that she didn't have with Mike. Um, it's not clear that Matt feels that instant connection with her um, because she really wants to get their physical chemistry going. And he is not, not picking up on really it. picking up on it. He teaches her the sign, you know, as you may remember, Matt Donald's family, um, his nuclear family, um, it, they're deaf. So he grew up sp- sign language signing. was his first language, yes. which is really interesting. And that is the part of that I would like to hear more about rather than the fact that his mother will freaking kill him if she sees him Listen, making out with chicks. We have to let him Also, don't say chicks, own- Matt Donald. Yeah. Don't say that. Um, but he teaches her the sign for kiss me. And so she does it a few times. And he's like, so what What else is going on? Yeah, he really doesn't want to dive in face first, as it were. Um, and he tells her the time is going to have to be right. And she's like, maybe tonight by the ocean. And he's like, maybe. Um, poor Sydney. Poor Sydney. I mean, the thing that about this is that, sure, maybe you don't want to dive right in. But I will say that when he goes on another first date later, he, he does, does not, not have these reservations. Right. Right. Um, I, I didn't feel it's it's like looking back on this is when I was like, oh, that sucks. Yeah. At first, it didn't feel quite as as sad. It's just she's like looking at him and leaning in and making the kiss me sign. And he's like pointedly looking in the other direction, being like, I just want to be respectful of you. <laughs> I was like, Matt, come on. Meanwhile, uh, Derek and JPJ and Tasha are still dealing with their love triangle. Um, Derek uh, feels like John Paul Jones is just jealous about Tasha, um, and 
it's really caused an issue in his relationship with Tasha because she has this pre-existing relationship with John Paul Jones. Um, and so John Paul Jones, meanwhile, pulls Tasha aside. Um, she's been thinking about breaking up with both of them, but she hasn't made a move to do that yet. So John Paul Jones sits her down and tells her that he has felt dis-ease and woke up feeling emotional. And he could tell she was distant that morning. And he just wants to tell her how seriously he takes this endeavor. He admires everything about her. Um, and Tasha says, you know, the fight really rubbed me the wrong way and I needed to process. And also Haley being involved doesn't make me feel good. Haley and Tasha talked about things with John Paul Jones and Tasha was not super impressed <laughs> by how that went down. So JPJ just starts weeping. That seems to be his move. Yeah. He's like, this is not going my way. It's time to pull out the big guns. I honestly, this is does not reflect super well on me, but like this was one of the most relatable moments for me with John Paul Jones. He <laughs> says, I was going to sit in my pain and give you space because I don't want to scare you away. I came here looking for something serious and I just can't handle not being around you. And Tasha comforts him. And I was like, oh, man, I've been there when I'm like, the move is to give him space. And, and then, then you're five like, five minutes later, I'm like, gonna weep. I miss you. <laughs> you know, it's not a good look. You know, it's not the move. And yet you're like, I could probably get more immediate results with that on a subconscious level. You're like, what if I just what if I just get the immediate result? And I get that once you're in that conversation, it can just really devolve. Yeah. No, I do think that it ends up being a really tactical choice because Tasha feels this bond with him. She feels bad that he's so yeah. upset. She's thinking about breaking up with both of them, but does that end up happening? No. It does not. Um, so then John Paul Jones snot rockets into the sand again and kicks more sand over it. Mm -hmm. um, great job, JPJ. Tasha then talks to Sydney and she's like, see, Derek is a good guy. And John Paul Jones is hot-headed. But who can say who who's can the better choose. man? Who can choose? I mean, these things aren't rational. No. They're, they're, no, they're really not. You like who you like. And, you know, I respect <sighs> Tasha's decisions. Yeah. So Tasha sits Derek down and she says, we had this really solid friendship. And then a week ago or so, we decided to try to progress that into a relationship. And I think it's important to tell you that I don't know if I can get there. And he says, well, I felt the opposite, so I don't Aww. know where the change was. And then he asks, just to be clear, like, do you know that you can't get there? Are you just trying to be kind by putting it more gently? And Tasha's like, basically, yes. I just, yeah, I don't want to lead you on. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just the wrong timing, but, like, it's not going to happen for me. And uh, Derek is like, all right, well, I have to accept that, but it really hurts. Um, it seems like he has probably used up a lot of his um, ability to repress and conceal his, like, feelings of personal hurt after yeah. the Demi breakup when he had to be very um, supportive gracious yeah. and supportive. Um, I mean, it's not that he handles this breakup no, badly, I, I but it's, he the hurt it is well. showing a little just, more transparently. It, exactly. I thought he and Tasha actually both handled this really well. I agree. Um, they clearly have a lot of mutual respect for each other, and they did, you know, kind of dip their toes into the romantic waters after building a pretty solid friendship, which I think helps them in this breakup. Yeah. Um, and he again says, you know, this is 
yet another time that I'm hearing, you're a great guy, but I want someone else or something else. It's the second time he's heard that just in like the past week. Um, and so he says, basically, I'm sure there's no one else here for me. Um, so that's kind of it. That's and Tisha like clearly feels awful, doesn't you know want him to make any rash decisions. She's like, no, but you could just stay here and find what you're looking for. And it's pretty clear that he's like, nah. <laughs> yeah. So he calls the group together and says goodbye and heads out. Um, he has a really sweet moment with Christian during this goodbye, which I thought was really nice. Yeah. Uh, Demi alludes to the fact that they had talked later, but we don't see that. But we do see him and Christian both telling each other how much they appreciate each other. And then we see Christian in in, in the moment saying that he's a beautiful person. And I thought that that yeah. was really lovely. Also, I want to say that Christian seems to be like a really lovely, calming force on the beach. You see her kind of drop in and just give some very um, non-combative wisdom to a handful of people. Yeah. Like, I want to hang out with Christian. She, she, I feel like, is well-positioned to be sort of the house mom in a way that we don't see as often on the beach anymore. I think we used to see it more um, because often it would be someone in a really established couple, but we just don't really see, for example, Hannah at all. Right. <laughs> but um, because she has that security of a relationship, She's a little older also than Hannah, and she has a very calm personality. She can provide that sort of just like general Emotional support. calming influence that that I like to see. I, I like, like it too. I like when someone can do that. We're going to take a quick break, but when we get back, we break down so much more drama from Bachelor in Paradise this week. If you want to bring coziness into your life, uh, and I mean, who doesn't, <laughs> turn to Barefoot Dreams, especially right now, because the brand is celebrating their 30th anniversary. With those 30 years of coziness, Barefoot Dreams celebrates being the originators of everyone's favorite Lux home blanket. There's a reason why Barefoot Dreams has been on Oprah's favorite things list six times. Dressing head-to-toe in Barefoot Dreams is the key to comfort, as their collection of ultra-soft robes, loungewear, and accessories are made with premium materials. And their products make the perfect gifts, too. I would certainly love to be given something from Barefoot Dreams. I just acquired the robe, and it is like the softest robe I have ever put on my body. It's so cozy. It's so warm. It's beautiful. It has a nice drape and weight to it. I wear it whenever I have the opportunity. I just want to wear it constantly. And I think everyone should have that kind of comfort and coziness in their lives. For Love to See It with Emma and Claire listeners, you can get 15% off of your first purchase at barefootdreams.com with the code LTSI15. Don't miss out on Barefoot Dreams' soft, soothing fabrics that will bring luxury to your life. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Sometimes there will be something that is just like nagging at me, bothering me about something in my life. And I just swirl it around and around and around in my head and don't quite know how to address it. And something that can really help me sort that through and like take action is therapy. I completely agree. I've been really stressed lately because I've just been getting sick over and over again. And before I know it, I'm feeling a lot of emotions and I don't even 
connect where they're coming from with the actual origin. We all carry around these stressors, right? And when we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a great safe space to get things off of your chest and figure out how to actually work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash love to see it today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash love to see it. Okay, so you got engaged. Congrats. Now you may be wondering what comes next. If you're planning a wedding, the first thing you need to know about is Zola. With Zola, you can plan your entire wedding in one convenient place. From the day you get engaged and search for the venue to the day you send out your save the dates, make your registry, and even taste your cake. Zola has literally everything you need to make the whole process super easy and actually even enjoyable. There's even a five-star app that helps you plan on the go or, you know, from your couch, which is certainly how, uh, if I was planning a wedding, I would definitely want to do it as loungily as possible. <laughs> so important. I also just know myself. I, I know that planning any kind of event, like even a birthday party can get very stressful. And so it's been really cool to see friends use Zola. It really seems to make everything a lot less stressful. And as a frequent wedding attender, I love to be able to hop on that Zola registry and just purchase a gift. Easy peasy. I know I've done it. I won't forget. Thank you, Zola. Yeah, everything's all in the same place. It's perfect. Start planning at Zola.com. That's Z-O-L-A.com. Article believes in delightful design for every home. And thanks to their online-only model, they have some pretty delightful prices, too. Their curated assortment of mid-century modern, coastal, hi Tyler Cameron, industrial, Scandi, and boho designs makes furniture shopping simple. Plus, they're dedicated to really thoughtful craftsmanship that honestly stands the test of time and looks good doing it. Article offers fast, affordable shipping across the U.S. and Canada. Plus, they won't leave you waiting around. You pick the delivery time and they'll send you updates every step of the way. I have long been an article girly, like every room of my house my house, my apartment, <laughs> you can see article furniture in. Most recently, we updated our balcony, you know, just in time. It's finally balcony season yes. again, finally warming up in New York. And I have been out there with my coffee, sitting in the toady beach sand dining chair, which is a great little lounger for a small space. Again, New York City apartment. And uh, it just really like elevates our deck. That and the ottoman we bought to go with it. So comfortable, so chic. Also can withstand a whole lot of rain. So important. Article is offering our listeners $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. They're having their Memorial Day sale from May 13th to May 27th, which would be the perfect time to use your store credit on top of sale prices. To claim, visit article.com slash LTSI and the discount will be automatically applied at checkout. That's article.com slash LTSI for $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. One in five Americans have learned a new language on their bucket list, as they should, because it's very important. If that's you, then make this year the year you finally check it off your list. 
with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Wow, that is really fast. Their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Plus, all of Babbel's 14 award-winning link... Plus, all of Babbel's 14 award-winning language courses are backed by their 20-day money-back guarantee. I personally used Babbel before I headed off to Paris for three weeks, and it was so helpful just kind of giving me back the basic understanding of French, allowing me to interact with people in restaurants, in shops, and, you know, just not make a total fool of myself when in a foreign country. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash LTSI. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com slash LTSI. Spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash LTSI. Rules and restrictions may apply. Before we get back to the show, do you want even more here to make friends? check out our video series at youtube.com slash HuffPost. It's a little different from the podcast. Every week we highlight standout moments from each episode and award superlatives. You can find us at youtube.com slash HuffPost or at HuffPost.com. And we have a few live shows coming up. We'll be in New York City tonight at the Gramercy Theater. If you happen to be in the city and need something to do, we'll be joined by Phoebe Robinson and Derek Peth. Uh, And we'll also be in the Chicago area on September 25th at the Newport Theater. And now, back to the show. We move on to night two. Yep. Um, I love this scene. They're, like, at the bar, and Wells <laughs> is like, listen, leaving was probably the best thing for Derek, and I think we can all agree on that. And then they all start debating the pronunciation of Paradisian. <laughs> And then Blake wanders up. He's like, Derek left? <laughs> and has missed everything. Where what was he must have been napping. Or like sitting alone in a corner looking woeful. <laughs> like Derek like Blake miss, always misses the news. Like Blake is always wandering up and I'm like, oh, that happened? Oh man. That's rough. <laughs> um and it also gets him in his in his feelings because he also hasn't found his person here. And but unlike Derek, who wisely is like, that's my time to go, Blake is like, it's not my time to go. But he he's like, why am I here? And then he says, with enormous scare quotes, I've burned bridges Quote, with all the unquote. women here. And I'm like, no, you've burned you've the bridges. You've burned the bridges. That is literally what happened. Figuratively, <laughs> Fig- not literally. Uh, literally, I think that's an acceptable usage of literally <laughs> now. Um, so uh, meanwhile... John Paul Jones still doesn't feel bad about anything that went down with Derek. Chris but- Bukowski is trying to kind of very, very gently, without provoking John, try to get him to perhaps cop to the fact that he could have handled things differently. He's like, I'm not saying you're wrong. It's OK. I, you know, maybe do you think that maybe it could have been just 
handled a little better. Chris is really coming at this from the perspective <laughs> of someone who has been a huge flaming disaster yeah. on the show in the past. He feels empathy for John. He does. And also he knows what it feels like to look back and be like, I behaved I poorly. I didn't do great there. That could have been better handled. Um, so he's kind of saying to John Paul Jones, like, everyone here loves you. You're, you have so many great qualities. I'm rooting for you. But, like, you might look back and, and wish you'd handled that differently. And John Paul Jones is like, yeah, I don't know. Like, whatever. I stand by it. And Chris is like, well, doing my best here. <laughs> um, I just love Chris. And all, to a lesser extent, Dean's redemption arcs this season. Me too. Season. I'm just very into both grow. of them. Very, very into both of them. Um, Ugh, so every, they can grow up. The thing it's is nice. that everyone was sort of like, Derek and JPJ are feuding. And then the minute that Derek leaves, everyone is like, wow, JPJ really fucked over Derek. <laughs> um, like, that's the new narrative. Um, they're starting to feel like John Paul Jones really got out of pocket um, by attacking Derek. Um, Dylan says something weird, like, oh, I think John Paul Jones just feels so strongly for Tasha that he really couldn't control himself. And I know that this is not, this is not actually what Dylan seems to be trying to promote. But unfortunately, that kind of thinking is really dangerous. Like, it, it implies that John Paul Jones, his love was so strong mm. that he just did hurtful things that he didn't have, you know, any agency over. And I, and I think that that's, that's a really dangerous road to go down. Um, I agree that that people get emotional and do things that they later regret. Dylan certainly got very emo- I think that Dylan is feeling a lot of empathy with John Paul Jones because when Hannah was exploring her options, Dylan spiraled really fast and hard. And not that he did anything that you know, John Paul Jones did, but he is very close to that feeling of being like, I'm powerless. I'm so powerless and so in love. And like, I would do anything to make this bad feeling in my stomach go away. I just think it's, it's a fine line and we can acknowledge that. I'm not supporting that. that, Right. No, I know. No, I know. Um, I just think it's, it's good to avoid using that kind of language and to acknowledge that like, yes, people do things that they might not be proud of. People make rash decisions when they're feeling really strongly in some way. At the same time, like those bad decisions or rash decisions are yours to own. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, and I, I, John had agency over what he did. He had the choice to speak that way to Derek, and he had the choice in the ways that he's, you know, treated his relationship with Tasha. Like yeah. he's and a choice in the way he's treated Haley. These were all choices, whether or not they were good or bad. Exactly. So uh, we do get uh, a couple check-ins with there are still couples. some of the couples. <laughs> they're happy. Chris B. and Katie uh, decide that they're going to take their relationship to the next level. What does that mean? It, we'll find out more later. Um, no, basically he asked <laughs> her to be his girlfriend and she says yes. Oh, cute. Um, Demi and Christian are both super happy. JPJ is like, time for me to check in with my girlfriend, Tasha. And she... Like, in what world is she your girlfriend, sir? He doesn't actually say that. Uh, that's, <laughs> that's all me. Um, so she sits down with JPJ and says, you know, 
you don't know where I was with Derek and I was fighting my own battles on that. And John Paul Jones says, yeah, that's your business. I respect that. You do your thing. And Tasha's like, well, not really. That's not really how it went down. Like you, you really pressured me and like practically gave me an ultimatum. And I really did not like that. And you should have trusted my decision making. Good for Tasha. Yeah. And she makes him look in her eyes and promise not to question her, which I thought was a little bit over the top. But it was like, a lot. So was his behavior. Also, um, I'm like, this perhaps is why when you're almost 30, it can be tough to date a 24 year old. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's interesting. Tasha, to me, the vibe I'm getting from Tasha is. It's not going to be me and John Paul Jones, but, like, there's no one else here who is interested in me. And let's just enjoy the ride for a little bit longer. I mean, she says it's hard to connect with him on a deeper level or see a long term with him. That seems really problematic. She's really flattered by how into her he is. And she loves his romantic side. That's not really evidence to me that she thinks he's the right choice but more just he's the one who's there right now um then he catches a fish with his hands and tries to make her kiss it um so that's what's going on with them uh meanwhile clay is still in his feelings about watching angela going around with other guys even though he that just has no feelings for her anymore at all like none Um, Except for the warmest friendship. (laughs) But now he's being subjected to her dating in front of him. It's just brutal. It's brutal. Brutal times two. Um, And he definitely doesn't want her to hang out with anyone else um, after hanging out with Mike. He's like, that was hard enough for him. But who should come down the steps to the beach but Chase from JoJo's season? He apparently chatted with Angela at the wedding. And so he has like pre-made that connection he's hoping to see her on the beach and he for to his credit he really does just go for it he pulls angela but aside. little does he know that angela is not allowed to date until clay feels ready <laughs> so like he doesn't really have all the facts here it's unfortunate he just blasts right in tramples all over the ground rules i had such mixed feelings about this because i just have a personal distaste for chase and i want yeah, better never, for angela i've never really cared for him i'm like angela clay and mike <laughs> And now you're going to this Trump-supporting, like, boring bozo over here. To be fair, I don't know much about Angela's personal beliefs. No, I don't. I know very little about Angela. I just, I like Clay and Mike so much better. That's true. (laughs) Um, I I agree that this is probably my own cross to bear. And, like, (laughs) she likes Chase and Chase likes her. That's really lovely for both of them. And he seems to be very nice on the beach. Uh, so and he's maybe really I'm an asshole. into Angela, which Mike, to me, more, that was just a we're passing time together situation. Yeah, neither of them seem particularly into the other. With right. Them. But Chase and Angela are into each other. Um, and they head off to get ready. And then uh, head off on their date. Um And the date, we don't really see that much of. Um, But she basically tells him that the breakup with Clay was really difficult because at first it wasn't a breakup. It was Clay telling her that he needed a break to be alone and figure some things out for himself, which created this sense for her that there was sort of an opening, a door. Um, And... 
meanwhile, Mike and Clay are sitting and chatting. And Mike is like, thanks for being cool about me going on that date with Angela. And Clay says, no, I get it. She's so great. She's the best. She's wonderful. And Mike is like, yeah, no, sure. But, like, I really wanted Let's to talk, talk about, about you. you and Angela um, and why you're so obsessed with her. And Clay says, you know, maybe this just isn't the best situation to find love like for me and I was so careful not to break her heart and to make her feel good about everything and now she's here and like it's really difficult for me to focus on Nicole and it when she's like, here distracting me. Look, it seems like Clay does this thing that I have experienced men who want to be really kind all the time do which in the end is actually crueler which is to make a decision to break up with someone but then want to hedge a little bit because they don't want to hurt you. And that's what Mike says. He yeah. says, I I think maybe Clay was too gentle. He left the sense of an open door for Angela. And he tells Clay, Angela really needs clarity from you. And that's oh, the best thing My you man, can give My man, Mike. Her. I just love him. More Mike. Um, so meanwhile. <laughs> meanwhile. Blake is having Blake is having an epiphany. An epiphany the likes of which you rarely see in real life. It is a scripted epiphany. He's like, there's no one left for me on this beach. I must be secretly in love with Christina. He's wandering around (laughs) just like looking at happy couples, laughing. And he's like, I'm alone. Who is here for me? Who could make me feel this way? Oh, my God. She's been right here in front of me the whole time. He goes on this little bit where he starts saying I just want someone to settle down with you know who would fit into my life who's gorgeous and funny and smart and sexy and I just want to point out that I was very unimpressed by that whole speech yeah, he's like look I just want a woman who's like very hot and who would fit into my life the guys on this show are always so like eager to find a, a beautiful 24 year old who will just do whatever they want them to do I'm like Blake I think you think you're sounding magnanimous here, and you are not. Yeah. Like, oh, shocker, you want someone very hot who fits perfectly into, like, what you want to need don't worry. out of life. He also wants her to be funny and smart. And smart. I like how those were, like, nestled right in between yeah. the two adjectives that mean hot. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then he realizes that he and Christina have always gravitated to each other. It's her. It's always been her. And so he goes to pull her aside, and his face is lit up just the way we only see when he thinks he's found another woman to bone him. Like, when he's like, oh, Hannah G time, he gets this look on his face of just childlike optimism and joy. And that is the look he has for Christina right now. He's like, Christina, let's go chat. And And she she says, no. no. (laughs) I fucking love Christina in in this role of like Blake skeptic. It's fantastic. And I loved the Blake pulled this ridiculous arc. I even if he worked with production on it, it gives production such an amazing chance to edit in the way that a movie would be edited to like have the swells of romantic music and then the awkward like record scratch <laughs> moment when the conversation twists in an unexpected way like it gives such great scope for narrative editing techniques and i really enjoyed that so she says no i don't want to talk and the music like grinds to a halt 
And he in, kind of insists, though he now looks a little downcast. She's and, like, why can't you just say it to me at the bar? Like, I'm sitting here drinking. Right. <laughs> also, it looked to me like she was still wearing the outfit from her double date. So I thought maybe it was the same day as the double date with um, Lucas. Yeah. Um, and so she's clearly in a different headspace. Um, so he pulls her aside and he's like, I've been thinking a lot. And she says, about what? And he says, you. She and looks so confused. She's like, why? <laughs> um, if I were Christine, I would be so suspicious. Um, and she is. And he says, there's a reason we've gravitated towards each other. And she says, what reason? And he says, because there's something there. Yeah, there's something there. This is, again, this would be landing so dramatically in a romantic comedy um and he's like i wanted to just be your friend but i can't stop thinking about you you drive me crazy we butt heads but there's something there he really thinks they're in a rom-com he's like we've never been all in on each other and christina's like all right well i think maybe you just want a rose or maybe like you're just like going through something i don't really trust this so let's talk again tomorrow um he's like i need to process this and tomorrow is, like, I think rose ceremony day. So we cut right to that at this point. Time for the rose ceremony um, gathering, the cocktail party. Uh, Blake is like, Christina's giving me that rose. He has the ability to to turn on confidence in a way that I really it's wish impressive. I could. Only uh, a straight white man. Right. I want to access that. Um, and Sydney is feeling... Not that great about the pace she and Matt are moving at. So she is really on a mission to get him to kiss her tonight. Um, and he tells her, I worried about being rushed on the beach and having to move too quickly. But with you, I don't really feel that. <laughs> As she, like, leans in practically with her mouth open trying to rush him. Um, and they take a break. People counsel Sydney on how to get the kiss. People counsel Matt on how to go they're, for the they're kiss. They're all united finally behind the project this of kiss. getting them to kiss. Um, incredibly, this is how we learn about Hannah and Dylan's first kiss. And here's how it went down. Terrible. She asked, "Is your sinus infection contagious?" And he said, "Wanna, wanna find see. out? Oh, wanna see? Either way, whatever doesn't matter. Equally bad. It's bad." Uh, Demi models some kissing techniques. And Matt's like, I don't know. I know this is paradise, but I'm really shy. I don't kiss on the first date. He even sits down with Chris Harrison and tells Chris he's scared of rejection. Chris is like, look, I got to step in and just make this guy lock lips with someone. Like, we're all scared of rejection for sure. But, like, it takes— You've been assured that you're not going to be rejected. So that's just a bullshit excuse. Like, what do you do when the risk of rejection has been completely eliminated? How are you still afraid of it? Um, he's so nervous and so hot. He's just completely covered in a thick sheen of sweat. John Paul Jones has to help him towel off his abdomen. Um, and <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. Finally, he and Sydney sit down again, and she's like, you can kiss me whenever you want. Like, seriously. Like, blanket permission. Just whenever you feel like it. And he says, can I kiss you now? And I was like, I think we covered that. But she says yes again. And finally, they kiss. Uh, 
I feel like no kiss can be that good with this kind of buildup. No. It's no. Um, we do get a montage of flowers blooming and baby horses standing for the first time. Yeah, the editors had a lot of fun with this, and I did appreciate that. Um, so Sydney congratulates him as soon as they break contact, um, and he says, my mom is going to kill me. I think he would do better if he learned how to stop bringing his parents up during romantic interludes. I agree. It's just a tip. Yeah. Just a tip from us to you, McDonald's. If I were his mom, I would kind of not want him to bring me up during these moments, personally. I'd be like, please don't think about me when you are having your, you know, intimate moments. Um, And Clay finally decides to sit Angela down for some clarity. And she says, sure, if we must. (laughs) Um, And he tells her, you know, it was a shock to see you here. You have a lot of guys into you, and I'm happy for you, but it's, like, difficult to be dating with you here, also dating, and I thought I should just get some things out in the open. And so I just want you to know you're wonderful. I respect you. The breakup was really hard for me. I know it was hard for you, and I wanted it to work, but, like, I just wasn't as far along as you were, and our goals and ambitions I don't think are parallel. I want a relationship where we push each other. Even if this is true, it's just, like, probably not the thing to say. Right. You know, like, that that could be very true, but that's not really a thing that will accomplish much. To be like, I don't think you're ambitious enough for me. And especially when we get a little more detail about what this means. So she says, what do you mean? Like, when we were together— I and pushed you, you. When we were together and you weren't working, I pushed you because that's what you wanted. I didn't tell you don't go to the gym. And he says, well, I wanted you to go to the gym with me. And I was like, excuse me? Like, like, that sorry. is not a reasonable Do I have to go to the CNN request. office now and, like, sit by my husband's shoulder while he, yes, like, makes phone calls? I don't think that that would really help anyone. Also, like, there's how is nothing she supposed to be... I'd, like, rather do less than accompany my boyfriend to the gym for four hours. Also, I think it's her being personally ambitious is incompatible with her accompanying him for all of the work that goes into accomplishing his ambitions. Like, where is the time left for her to be ambitious? Wouldn't you assume that they have separate ambitions? Apparently not. He wants her to also be going for an NFL spot. (laughs) It's very confusing. So she says, but you go to the gym for four hours. Which, yes, is not reasonable. And he's like, but you don't have to stay there for four hours, which, again— So he wants her to drop him off with, like, a little— I'm very confused about how this is where the— the conversation about ambition goes. And he, she's like, look, I've always had goals for myself. Like, I take care of myself. And he says, well, but your goal is to be a wife and mother, which she she's like, yeah. Yeah, and he's like, look, I, I do respect that. But I want but more. But I want more. Which, again, like, you are allowed to have those as very valid goals, and you are also allowed to feel like that parenthood and, you know, marriage are, are not your immediate goals and that you want to be with someone who also does not have those immediate goals. But this comes off really condescending. She looks like she's been slapped yeah, when he it, it says was, that. I mean, it was it's, insulting. It was insulting. really insulting. And he says, you know, it made me think that it wouldn't have been equal. I would have had to support the family. And she says, I didn't ask, I didn't you, to ask you to do any of that. And, like, here's the thing. If he really felt like, I don't want to be in a couple where— I have to be the only breadwinner. I'm the breadwinner. My wife is a stay-at-home mom, and that's what she wants— you need to have those conversations. Right. It seems like they never actually talked about it, and he didn't ask her, like, 
are you set on being, you know, staying at home? Like, what would our financial situation be? Like, they didn't like, have maybe those conversations. She he made had, that decision. Maybe she would have had a clearer sense of why they were breaking up if he had had those conversations with her instead of making up a narrative in his head, which is apparently what happened. Um, and she says, well, look, your words and actions aren't lining up. You say you weren't as far along as I was. But right before the breakup, you asked me what our babies would look like. And he's like, well, you would call me really upset. And she's like, that happened one time. <laughs> this really devolves. But finally, she's like, I don't want to do this. I'm not a drama person. I just want to coexist like adults. And he's like, fine. I want the best for you. And she says, I want the best for you. Let's move on. I'm glad we had this chat. Let's go back to the bar. Um, it was interesting watching this. Um, I really felt like confused that he waited until this moment to finally bring up his issues with the relationship because I do think he could have given her clarity without like raising all of the reasons for it like I do think he could have sat her down and been like I feel terrible because I know that I wasn't really decisive at the end of our relationship and I made you feel like there was still something there. But I just want to make sure we're on the same page that, like, that's yeah, totally in the past. of course. And I thought that the beginning half of his conversation, the conversation made a lot of sense. It was just it, the, the second part was not productive and was also fairly insulting to Angela. And again, these might be things that you think about an ex privately, like that person isn't as ambitious in the way I define ambition, you know, like. But it's very different when you're saying this to them and also very different when you're saying this to them on national television. And also it's clear that you, like, didn't really have these conversations explicitly before you made the decision to end the relationship. Exactly. Um, So meanwhile, Blake is spreading it around that he and Christina are going to give it a shot. Christina, meanwhile, does not (laughs) seem sold. She's not sure yet. Um, But they do sit down to have a conversation um, and he says, I'm all in. And she's like, are you sure? Like, do you just want a rose? Do you want to maybe meet someone else next week? And he says, mark my words. When you realize the life you want, you want it to start immediately. He's just fully paraphrasing when Harry met Sally. It was so blatant that I think everyone watching the show (laughs) tweeted the same gif of Harry telling Sally like when you like know the person you want to spend the rest of your life with you like want the rest of your life to start as quickly as possible or something like it was a direct paraphrase Um, but this is only the the most recognizable of the many rom-com cliches that Blake throws at. He's like the whole time you've been right in front of me and, like, I just buried my feelings so deep because I was tired of disappointing you. And But, like, you don't have to open the door if you're not ready. You just have to unlock it. And, like, Christina just... is like, uh, I guess okay, but also still <laughs> seems skeptical. We finally... The way that he lights up when he is able to, like, just latch onto a rom-com narrative is... It's his, it's his natural state of being. Um, but it's time for the roses, Nicole gives her rose to Clay. Um, She takes the opportunity to say, no matter who walks down those stairs, no one will ever come between us. Everything that Nicole does to seem confident about their relationship makes her look much more insecure. Um, And I feel like someone should tell her that. Angela gives her rose to Chase. Christian gives her rose to Demi. 
Hannah. Imagine Christian giving it to someone else. <laughs> Hannah gives her rose to Dylan. Katie to Chris B. Haley to Luke S. Which we saw none of this. We did not see any of that go down. But apparently, they got together. <laughs> or maybe they're just friends. Like, Who knows? We have no we idea. How Kaylin gives her rose to Connor, Sydney to Matt Donald, and Tasha to JPJ. And finally, Christina gives the rose to Blake. For real this time. Yeah. She, Which means... She tells him this isn't a friendship rose like it has been in the past. This means Mike is leaving, which is a fucking travesty. Oh, poor Mike. I feel like he never really got his head in the game with anyone. No, I think he, you know, kind of similar to Derek, was like a calming force, had a lot of friendships. Derek clearly got a little further down the romantic path with, you yeah. know, at least with Demi. But, like, it, it just wasn't really there for him. And that sucks because Mike is so cute, so sweet. Seems really emotionally intelligent, and it's bullshit, and I want him on our TV more. That's all I'm saying. I know, and I feel, like, pretty angry that they are not keeping him in contention for The Bachelor and that they seem to have decided on Pilot Pete um, because I think that Mike needs to find that special connection, um, and you need a pack of at least— 30 beautiful women to do that and I need to watch it um, and he like Derek is tired of hearing that he's great and then not getting picked but listen at least people don't say you suck and that's not why I'm not going to date you you know that would be even worse so the next day Blake tells Christina that she brings out passion and emotion in him we see no passion <laughs> He, or really emotion. He's, like, it, no genuine emotion. He's emoting a lot. Christina is counterbalancing this by not emoting at all. Uh, every time he says something, like, passionate and emotional to her, she's just like, oh, hmm. oh really? Why? <laughs> and she tells him she's still scared um, to tap into their feelings for each other because of how he's hurt her in the past. And he says, this is different. This is going to be more than one night thing. You know, no matter who walks down the stairs... I wouldn't go on a date with them. So, of course, here comes Brie, who apparently – she and for those who don't remember, she's the one who spoke in the Australian accent. The fake Australian accent. The fake Australian accent. Um, and apparently she and Blake hit it off at the wedding. So, of course, Brie pulls Blake first. And Christina and her friends agree that this is a test – if he it's goes actually for, quite a simple test. It's a very simple <laughs> test. And Blake knows it's a test, which is why it doesn't really work. Um, you can kind of tell that Blake is not going to say yes to the date because there is so much pre him saying yes to the date angst about the possibility of it. They have to milk all of that. They want to milk it before it's clear that he doesn't get the date. If he were going to say yes, they would play it like, oh, he's so committed to Christina Probably, you know, he's going to say no to the date, right? And then cut to him saying, yeah, let's do it. Um, but Christina clearly feels a little triggered because he has hopped from woman to woman while she's been sort of his friend with more um, sort of tolerating that in the past. And so just seeing him having this really long conversation with the woman that she's now learning he wanted to meet and that she's hearing he flirted with at the wedding, 
this is brings out a lot of those painful feelings for her. Fair enough. So she starts. And also, Brie and Blake seem to have quite an extended conversation. All we see is snippets of him him being like, "Yeah, I really wanted to meet you. Mm-hmm. I really hit it off with you. You're so great." Yeah, you were one of the reasons I wanted to stick around, even when things were really tough. <laughs> um, Chris tells Christina that Blake was really hoping Brie would come. Um, Christina finally just stands up and and leaves. Um, she's like, "This is frustrating. This is fucked up. I need a moment." Um, and then we learn Blake turned down the date. Yeah, Christina, you can just see like her face relax, but her like, whole body. It's I can see why people might think Christina was being a little dramatic, but it seems I don't like think so. It seems like everyone else also thought that Blake was going to say. I didn't to feel like date. she was being dramatic. I <laughs> I felt like she she was like this is what I've seen in the past, yeah. and my worst you know fears about this thing are coming true and I'm going to look like an idiot like I I kind of I get it Um, so he tells her that he told Brie he didn't want to go on the date he only wants to hang out with Christina and Christina doesn't really react that strongly but you can see her relax she relaxes but he's expecting more and he says you are happy I turned down the date (laughs) right and she's like yeah and I'm happy that you kept your word and (laughs) he's like like, cool you're not a liar (laughs) but they still like haven't made out yeah. Blake just wants her to kiss him deeply the way she used to, but that's not going to happen yet. Not for a while. He's if at all. He hugs her and clearly is like considering going for the kiss, but she's like not opening herself up to it. And he says, "Hug me back." Oh, so it's a sad. real please clap moment. Um and then we get Bree and Matt Donald's date. She ends up asking Matt Donald, intercut with Blake talking himself into why staying with Christina was such a great idea. Yeah. So this, was, this felt a little bit mean to Blake and Christina. It did. It did feel a little mean. But I think that it's tapping into something. Yeah. Which is. To me, the reason that often that rom-com story about the couple that has, like, never really gotten it together and they've hurt each other so many times and now they're he's declared his love and they're really trying it, that doesn't often work in real life because there's so much scar tissue. And you see that when they're together, Christina has nurtured this interest in him, but she... Is no, they no longer have that ease together that you would really have when you're first falling in love normally. Like he's yeah, that's a really feeling, good point. He's feeling anxious about winning her over. She's feeling anxious about all the ways things have gone wrong in the past. They've already covered a lot of their first date conversations because they've been friends for a while, so they don't really know what to talk about. Uh, it just sort of doesn't look like much fun. Um, neither of them is feeling that good. And but they want to be feeling good. And Blake Bri especially and Matt, wants to be feeling good. Bree and Matt are having a great time. The best time. Matt has truly gotten over his aversion to making out on TV in front of his mother. Bree does not know that he doesn't kiss on the first date. No. And she'll never find out because he makes out with her a lot on this first date. And he's just like, yeah, you like look like a model. They're all very focused on the fact that Bree is a model, looks like a model, is just... Very, very attractive. Do we know anything else about Brie except Literally that she nothing. is slash looks like a model? Nothing. That's nothing. all I know about her. And she can do an Australian accent. <laughs> That's it. Um, And 
Meanwhile, a lot of the couples are starting to think about life after paradise. Dylan and Hannah have a beautiful fantasy about going on walks and wearing cut-off sweatshirts. <laughs> they are truly made for each other. Like, what on earth are they talking about? He's like, I just want to, you know, just, you know, I could wear like a cut-off sweatshirt. That like, would be the dream. Dylan, <laughs> dream bigger, my lad. <laughs> Um, and Chris B. tells Katie he wants two kids at the same time. And she's like, twins, what if I can't? And he's like, basically, I'll take you out back. <laughs> and go on Paradise like, 7. I thought this was cute. Because, again, you don't make comments like this unless you feel secure in the relationship. Yeah, that like, is a very established relationship yeah. joke to make unless you are just like a, a really cruel lunatic. <laughs> Either he's a raving lunatic or he is really invested in Katie. Um, And she's happy. She also feels ready for a family. So they're on the same page as well. Connor and Dylan are working out and talking about how Connor just really likes the person Kaylin is. You know, like she's I like, you know, her hobbies and like the things she talks about and the way she is. And then they're like, oh, man, this is so sweet. We're just two guys doing abs and talking about our feelings. I loved this montage of just all the the people on the beach doing various creative beach workouts. We see oh, some yeah. some of the women doing, you know, a run on the beach. Connor and Dylan are like have resistant bands and like maybe a can on a rug. Oh, it's like an ab. Oh, it, was it a proper ab roller? I think so. I couldn't tell. Uh-huh. Um Clearly packable beach equipment. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was, workout equipment. So, you know, just sharing their feelings. I also love whenever out. we see Dylan talking to anyone but Hannah, the way that it feels like he's not fully present. <laughs> like he's having a whole conversation with Connor about Connor's relationship where he sort of is staring into the middle distance and his face is completely deadpan. And there's just no emotional engagement in his voice. Like, that seems to be, like, his primary way of of being around people. And then with Hannah, suddenly he's just, like, laser-focused. Oh, my in. God. I love you. Yeah. It's uh, it's a real So, of whiplash. course, everyone seems happy, which means something needs to happen. And Kaylin's, like, in her in the moment being, like, I feel so good. Connor's just made me forget everything about Dean. Who even is Dean? Who even is he? Does he live in a van? I don't, I don't want, want that van. van. I don't want those mustaches. <laughs> dun, All dun, those things dun. I've forgotten about completely that I can list at will easily. Who is dramatically rolling up his sleeve, shaving off his mustache and rolling down to the beach. It's Dean. My man, Dean. And he needs to talk to, to Kaylin. I, I like Dean. <laughs> this is going to be controversial. I miss the mustache. I don't know. It fit I, with his look. I liked the look. I feel like Claire, Dean needs Claire. that sort of like I, weirdly. Claire, you have a thing against his, look. against his upper lip. I think it still works with the long hair. The you know, I'm just glad he doesn't the have the, the alt right haircut anymore. Yes, but like I, I miss you know what the mustache. the mustache grew on me. I will say, it but grew I, on Dean and it grew on us. But I, I like him without the mustache. Um, I just feel like it it worked with his whole vibe. <laughs> and now he's here in his all black on a like 115 degree beach uh, trying to make his play for Kaylin. 
And Blake is like, I'm so mad at Dean for doing this. Kaylin has been through so much here. And I was like, like Blake, yes. because of you also. What well, are you doing? He, the, it's like passive voice. She's been through so much here. Like, who put her through all of that? Hard to say. Don't see anyone around here who might be responsible. <laughs> only Dean. Definitely only Dean. <laughs> um, so he sits down. Uh, poor with poor Connor. I really felt for Connor in this because, of course, he wasn't there to experience any of the Dean stuff. And right. Kaylin has been like, I've been through the ringer, but you're making it good for me. Like, he clearly feels very confident in their relationship because she has right. seemed very confident in their relationship. But not so confident that he doesn't need to call Dean a loser. No, he's like, Dean's a loser. Go back to your van. Yeah, I wasn't super impressed with no, that either. No, no, no. Uh, I just want also, everyone to be nice to each other. Also... I'm like I think Connor is very cute, and I know not everyone does, but I do. I still would go with Dean. <laughs> I think Connor is boring. He's a he's a little more boring. He seems really sweet, but okay, we'll get I'm into it. I'm not seeing so, any magnetism from him. So Dean pulls Kaylin aside, and meanwhile, everyone is saying just like in front of Connor, "Oh yeah, she definitely likes Dean better yeah. than Connor." <laughs> they had a really passionate relationship. <laughs> Like, it was so I see weird. it for them. Um, and Dean tells Kaylin, you know, our date in paradise was the best date I've ever been on. I was totally honest and you accepted all the parts of me, but I tried to keep you at arm's length to preserve myself. And I tried to make a decision that was in your best interest, but it, it wasn't really my decision to make. So after I left... I went to San Diego, but I couldn't stop thinking about you. And so I drove to the Grand Canyon, and I still couldn't stop thinking about you. And then I thought about waiting until you were off the show, but then I thought, no, that's a long-ass like, time. I'm sorry. This is a really compelling speech. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Kaylin says, well, I'm exploring things with Connor now, and it's just easy. And Dean grins and says, who the fuck wants easy? And I was like, oh, my oh. God. This is what Blake is going for. Yeah, it Blake totally wants this is. vibe. But in but – Dean is successfully carrying it out. He he has a little bit more. Um, well, for one thing, he was careful to only invest in one woman. Yes. This this year on camera, um, which makes it a little more convincing. Uh, he, and he has that charisma. I don't know what it is. Dean is Dean is pretty smart. He has a way with words. You know that look. Connor just simply doesn't. And I would really like to believe. That, like, Chris Bukowski, Dean, He's grown. has learned and grown. No, and look, we've seen no evidence that Dean doesn't have the ability to grow. Like, all of the evidence this year has pointed to the fact that he's significantly more self-aware. He clearly went into this season with a plan. He didn't want to get entangled with anyone because he'd been so burned from starting on-camera relationships before. And you're allowed to make a decision and then realize that it was the wrong decision. And yeah. I don't know. I, I I believed him here. I think that it is totally fair for everyone to feel like Kaylin was a casualty of that and for Kaylin yes. to feel like that. Absolutely. She has no obligation to be like, I can trust you again. Right. But Dean has every right to say what he said. That's absolutely. how I feel. Me too. Um, and so Dean and Kaylin talk about what they want and she says she wants a partner in life and Dean's like I now know that that's what I want too and so I had to come back and tell you that I wanted to try being in a relationship with you and the only thing holding us back was that I wasn't receptive to that before and I don't want to run away from the good things in my life anymore 
And he says, I can't wait to be perfect to be with someone or I'll be alone forever. I thought that was really insightful and and true. And I think they're he's not the first person, specifically man, that I've seen be like, well, I need to wait till this thing falls into place before I can be a good partner. But then there's and there's always going to be another thing. Right. Um, Exactly. And there there is a a certain degree to which you you want to work your shit out so that you're Abs- not inflicting absolutely on a i'm not saying but, you should just go in blind right but i think that there is a difference between being messed up in the way that dean was two years ago where he didn't literally did not know how to take those women's feelings into consideration or treat them with respect and and where he appears to be now which is i'm still not perfect i'm not totally sure of myself i mess things up like, but I'm owning my shit, and, I, and I'm and I'm and I'm showing up for you. I'm showing up for you, and I'm and I'm putting someone else's feelings like at the center of how I make decisions. And I think that that is and really also he's all you giving need. her the power in this. You know, she has the power to say, "I hear you, and I want to be with you," and also to say, "Look, I've started this new thing, and like, sorry, but you're too late." Yeah. And Kaylin says. I'm so overwhelmed. I literally have the dangerous guy and, like, the perfect guy I could have a legit relationship to choose between. And I was like, it really is sort of comical I don't really how think... archetypal they yeah. look. Like, Connor is just, like, this, like, Doop-y-doop. tall, goobery, like, cute guy. And Dean is like, I have long, ruffly hair and I'm in a black shirt and black jeans. I just love that this is the idea of, like, the dangerous guy on The Bachelor. He lives in a van, Emma. Nothing more dangerous like i don't know i'm like connor is 24 where do we even install your ring security system and dean is like a grown human who has like been through shit and seems to be smart and self-aware like i i don't think that they're quite such a i don't know it's definitely two different paths i think that connor is probably a lot more similar to kaylin and very true where he's at in his life and his age (laughs) um and dean would be going in a different direction um but they have this explosive chemistry and they clearly do have things in common um connor is back with the group saying you know things are really good with kaylin i'm not really worried and christina says i love this christina says have you met dean and connor says no and And she just laughs and she's like okay (laughs) i loved that um and everyone is watching and can tell that Dean wants her back. Um, and Dean, in fact, makes a proposition to her that she leave paradise with him that day and pursue a relationship. And that is where we end. What's she going to do? I guess we'll see. I think she's going to go with Dean. I think she's going <laughs> to pick Dean. I mean, it is interesting, like, that... He's giving her the power back, but he doesn't – he gives her also kind of an ultimatum. Like, if you want to be with me, you have to leave the show right now. I'm curious whether he could have negotiated a return to the show or if this was the only option that was presented to him. Because Probably, if Kalen yeah. wants to stay on the beach, then, like – Maybe that wouldn't be the ideal decision to be presented to her. That's true. I mean. But that is typically how it goes. If you yeah, leave the beach and then you gone. come back to pursue someone again, they're never like, and I'm coming back. It's always like. Well, also, you it can feels like it's almost me. too far. It's too close to the end. 
Yeah. And also it's clear that Dean is not saying we're going to get engaged in another three days. So like what is the point of having what is the point of having them on that beach? Like I right. I don't think Dean is trying to propose to her. And like uh, and so I think from a production standpoint, this is a much better storyline. Yeah. But for Kaylin, it we'll makes see. it a tougher decision. Absolutely. Um, And that wraps up this episode. And yeah. next week, I think we are really going to wrap up these the love season. stories and see, and see some engagements. Apparently, a lot of them this season. And Three. I can't wait to finally find out who ends up together. I mean, I know a lot of them already because the spoilers are everywhere. Um, but, you know, you never know for sure until it happens. Now it's time for Feminism Fails. And we actually have a handful from these two episodes. First, Nicole makes some kind of body shaming comments about Angela and calls her desperate and crazy and says she has ulterior motives. Just some generally insecure kind of mean girl behavior you know hate to see that woman on woman crime so even though I know that Nicole probably bore no real ill will towards Angela and was clearly like just trying to compensate for her own feelings of insecurity and and Clay's I'm gonna give this one a four it was just it's it's really crappy to talk about another woman that way yeah and I think Nicole also with some distance sees that as well oh yeah she she seemed to take responsibility and also kind of you know clarify that she was like in quite a lot of pain during those episodes that we didn't even see so yeah look we all we all do shitty things sometimes doesn't make her a bad person Absolutely. but this particular thing gonna give it a four uh on a similar note uh dylan says that john paul jones just feels so strongly for Tasha that he couldn't control his bad behavior um, again, this doesn't seem like something that was maliciously meant um, or even a really intentional statement of his beliefs about human behavior. But it is the kind of attitude that underlies some really problematic um, approaches towards um, the way that we expect men to treat women and and men to deal with their feelings of anger or insecurity or or even love um and it it's propagates this sort of you know boys will be boys like it was a crime of passion sort of thinking that we don't want to endorse so i'm going to give that a 3 and finally we have clay's conversation with angela which again seems like they were the best of intentions behind But he accuses her of not being as ambitious as him, and he seems to define ambition and goals as accompanying him to the gym for multiple hours or, like, dropping him off at the gym and also says that being a wife and a mother isn't enough of a goal. Just, oh, this was icky. It was pretty insulting. People are allowed to have different goals, to have different priorities, one is not, you know, inherently better than the other. Uh, but this was kind of a, a crappy thing to say to someone that you purport to care about. So I'm going to give that one a four as well. And that's it for Here to Make Friends. Thanks to our producers, Nick Offenberg and Sarah Patterson. 
Please subscribe to Here to Make Friends wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss a moment of Bachelor in Paradise recaps. And give us a five-star rating and review. It helps other people find our show. Give us a follow on Facebook and Instagram at Here to Make Friends Pod. And you can follow us individually on Instagram and Twitter. I'm at Claire E. Fallon. And I'm at Emma Lady Rose. And we will be back next week as things wrap up in paradise. Do you need even more Here to Make Friends? Make sure to check out our video series at youtube.com slash HuffPost. It's a little different from the podcast. Every week we highlight standout moments from each episode and award superlatives. Again, you can find us at youtube.com slash HuffPost or at HuffPost.com. And if you're still listening, come to our live show tonight at the Gramercy Theater if you've, you know, happened to listen to this episode right when we dropped it. (laughs) Um, And if you're in the Chicago area... We will be in your city on the evening of September 25th at the Newport Theater. Those tickets will be available very soon. I live by routines, but I especially love my same-day delivery routine with Shipped. And my shopper knows this about me. When Sunday rolls around and I place my weekly stock-up order, Joe sends texts from the aisles. Wilted lettuce? Nah, hard pass. Deal on my favorite sparkling water? Whew, grab two. Fresh flowers just because? Hmm, sounds like a delightful idea. If you love routines that work for you, get shipped same-day delivery. Shipped. Delight in every delivery. Learn more at ship.com slash high. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.